what those might be is, uh, is, is really not at issue under the district court's order. Would, uh, would those efforts um, be sufficient in the terms in which your, Ms. Mahoney described them to us, and that is that the, um, that the children are, 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 um, are retained, the custody of the children is retained, uh, and yet the contract parties who have actual custody of the children uh, are obligated, among other things, to take steps to try to um, uh, link them up with their natural families and ultimately to be in a position to reunify the families. Would that be a, a sufficient justification on your theory? If the if government has detained an individual and is and is making efforts to to re, to reduce or to minimize the amount of detention that individual is going to going to experience, then efforts toward family unit reunification are certainly are certainly one way of doing that. The problem here is where we have no one coming forward for the minor. The efforts to reunify the family could go on for weeks, for months, even up to a year. And and and, and well, let's are, let's assume they do that. Let's assume that that's what they do. Uh, is, is the, is the, does the justification fall uh, because of, of that possibility? That there may be reunification with a parent later on down but the there, road? Well, I'm, I am assuming, and you don't at least at this point challenge, that there is in fact a, uh, a bona fide object uh, to accomplish that result and a bona fide effort to do so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So is this a... a, a a facial challenge to the policy? If that's so, if what you've just said is conceded, that there is a policy uh, established that says they will look for a responsible family member to take the child, um, then uh, you just are left with a facial challenge, are you not? I, I no, Your Honor. Uh, what we have is a situation where there is somebody available to care for that minor. There is no indication that, there, that these family reunification efforts are, are at any time in the future going to result in release. The whole point is that the Immigration Service never bothers to figure out, well, what are the possibilities of family reunification here? It's simply a blanket rule that's applied and says that unless one of these people who appears on the blood relative list appears in front of us, then we're not going to release. We say in our, in our, in our, in our papers and, and in our plan that we're going to make efforts to find, to, 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 to find family members, but there's no provision as to what happens when those efforts appear to be futile. And the record is quite clear. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the furthest thing from a facial challenge. We have an extensive record here showing that minors, children, were, were being held for extraordinarily long periods despite these efforts that the Immigration Service has only recently inaugurated, ostensibly defined uh, uh, family members and so forth, without there ever being an end to the detention or any kind of an individualized determination, no matter how remote the possibility of finding any kind of a, of a, a relative is. And that's the entire thrust of this case. Mr. Holwin, I, does, does, does your position not require you to uh, maintain that the federal statute governing detention of, of aliens uh, suspected of illegal immigration is unconstitutional? Because as I understand the statute, in principle, all aliens suspected of, of illegal immigration may be detained in custody, adults and children alike. It's, it's up to the discretion of the Attorney General to, 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 uh, to release them if he, if he wishes. Now, is that unconstitutional? Your Honor, just last term, this court held in National Center for Immigrants' Rights, Incorporated versus the INS, 
that under that statute, there needs to be an individualized determination as to cause for detain. Now, once that happens... Well, as to cause, meaning as to whether the person is, is an illegal immigrant or not, or is likely to be an illegal immigrant. But you don't have to let them out to enjoy the, the United States for two years before you can finally deport them. Well, you, you, could, you could hold them in custody, could you not? All of them, adults and children alike. You can maintain them in custody under the, under the precedent that I've just cited only if there's an individualized determination. A determination of what? Determination that they're probably illegal immigrants, correct? I'm sorry, Your Honor. In that case, it was an individualized determination of right to work or not. Uh, so I think that the initial, the initial decision to detain here is not at issue. The initial decision where the INS has said, we're going to take you into custody is not, is not the issue. You will have won a pretty small victory if the only, if the only minors that, that, that your victory applies to are those who are not reasonably suspected of being illegal immigrants, because I don't, I, don't, I don't suppose that that's a very large percentage of the total at issue. <clears throat> the Immigration Services rationale for adopting this policy has nothing to do with whether a minor is going to appear for a deportation hearing or not, whether they're going to be available for deportation. The entire justification for this policy turns on one item, and that is whether or not detention is going to be in the best interests of minors as a general proposition. Well, if, if, um, if it's determined that there's individually determined that uh, there's probable cause to think an adult is deportable. I assume you concede that the INS may detain that adult in custody pending a final determination. Are you referring to the statute itself? Yes, and the Constitution. Under the Constitution, the INS would have to show a, a, that, that its grounds or detaining are weighty enough to justify that kind of infringement on personal liberty. That So you don't concede that the <coughs> INS could detain adults? No. Its grounds for detaining are that this person does not belong in the United States. And we have, we have good reason to believe that this person should be deported. And we're darned if we think that the person should enjoy the United States for as long as it takes to get the person deported. Well, we're talking aliens now. We're not talking about United States citizens. We may be. The, the point of the matter is, is that when, when counsel refers to the vast majority of people who are apprehended by the Immigration Service being illegally here and conceding their deportability, we're not, the, these are not the minors that we're talking about in this case. Those individuals sign what's called a voluntary departure form and are, and are sent on the next available transportation outside of the country. Only those minors who say, wait a minute, I have a reason to contest my deportability are the ones that find themselves in the deportation hearings and in the long-term type of institutionalization that we're dealing with in this, in this case. So the vast majority of those whom you, you, you correctly point out are here illegally, have gone and, and never find themselves members of this particular class of children. It's only those who have said, wait a minute, I have a reason to, 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 to contest my deportability. I have a defense of deportation. I want a deportation hearing. And those are the ones that we're placing into this long-term detention. Who, who do they deport these children to? What, what, what do you do with a child who says, you got me, I'm an illegal immigrant? Uh, wh whom, whom do we deport such a child to if, if we don't know where his parents are? They're simply, they're deported. They are deported. This is the reality of, 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 of daily operations in this country. We'll deport them. Without we'll locating them the parents? Salvador. We'll send them to Haiti. We'll send them to Mexico. We'll send them to Europe. Uh, and, and if there is no oh, one there to receive them, then they're simply 
basically placed I there. I can't believe that, but if that's true, it seems to me that's the problem you ought to be concerned about. The, the problem you're talking about is, is nothing compared to that. Doesn't your argument at this point boil down then to a procedural due process argument, that there is an inadequate basis to, uh, to separate the one category, children in one category, from children in the other? And the two categories you're referring to are? Those who are reasonably suspected of being illegal aliens and those who are not. I don't believe so, uh, Your Honor. What we've said here, and what the immigration has said again and again, if I may elaborate, is that the only reason for this policy is to protect children. It doesn't have anything to do with their deportability or the likelihood that they're going to be deported. What we do know is that the majority of these minors, all of them, in fact, are at the front end of the deportation process. It could take anywhere from six months to a year to longer. It may be, but whether the Constitution is violated, it may well be that the only reason they do it is because they're trying to protect the children, but whether the Constitution has been violated surely depends upon whether it is constitutional to keep these people without allowing any of them to, uh, uh, to leave custody. But the constitutionality of any detention must turn upon government's reasons for detaining. It must turn on the weight of society's interest in having detention affected. Otherwise, as, as this court held, uh, the, has held repeatedly, it's, it's, it's freedom that is the constitutional norm. Now, just last term in Fuca versus Louisiana, that, uh, Mr. Fuca could have been detained. He could have been jailed for having committed a particular crime. He was found guilty. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. And this court said, yes, the government wants to detain now because of dangerousness. We might have been able to hold him for... A crim having committed a criminal act, but we can't because the government is talking about dangerousness now, and it's incumbent upon government. The reason for detention is this statute, which says you can detain illegal aliens. The reason we're detaining them is that they are illegal aliens. Now, you say, well, you're letting the adults go uh, until, until the full trial, and you say, well, maybe that's the case. But don't tell me the reason I'm detaining them is that they're children. There are a lot of children out there I don't detain. I'm detaining them because they're illegal aliens. Is that an unconstitutional reason for detaining? I don't think so. Very well. Now, I, I wish to go into now the, 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 the genesis of this policy because uh, Council has made certain uh, statements concerning that policy and, and its genesis that I think need to be explored. First of all, the prior policy to 1984 was that across the nation, immigration service officers were entitled to make informed decisions as to whether they should release an individual to a person who, uh, to someone who comes for Mr. Hogan, to, to what part of your are your legal argument is the, are these policy statements addressed? Is, is it to the the constitutionality of of the regulations? Yes. You're not claiming they weren't authorized by statute? They weren't authorized by statute to make... Uh, yes. You certainly, certainly the Ninth Circuit never, never passed on that. The panel did. The, the, uh, the unbanked panel did not. The, the, our position, and, and continues to be in front of this court, and we've raised it in front of the Ninth Circuit, is that because the Immigration Service, under the statute, must make an individualized discretion to... Con it must exercise individualized discretion to continue someone in detention that this particular blanket policy violates that statutory restriction. The did you cross petition for certiorari? No, we did not. Now then, the record is, is, is quite clear that the Immigration Service for years prior to 1984 
and for three or four years now under the district court's order, has released minors to responsible, unrelated adults with unblemished success. The policy that we've heard about is, is, and, and, and heard talked about as being some, uh, an enlightened policy in order, to, in order to protect minors is simply not something that's supported in this record. In fact, we know that all 50 states, including the federal government in, 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 in uh, 18 U.S.C. 5034, all the model standards all say that detention is inimical to minors' well-being, that what you do as a matter of sound child welfare policy is that you release to responsible adults. Now, the district court issued a simple order after an, uh, on, a, on the basis of an uncontroverted record that showed that the INS lacks any substantial justification for this rule, and that, in fact, the INS lacks even a rational reason for, for this type of a detention policy. So in wh what, what followed from that conclusion in the eyes of the district court, that the regulation violated some provision of the Constitution? That the regulation, to the extent that it did not provide for an individualized determination, did deny due process. Now, the INS admitted that it had no evidence to support its view that well, releasing how, how, to... How, how could the lack of justification if, if for, the, for the regulation, if that was the D.C.'s basis, how would that support a procedural due process violation? The procedural due process violation is simply this, that if the INS has reason to believe that detention is going to be in a given minor's best interest, that an individual who comes forward and says, uh, I would like to care for this minor, is not qualified, then you have some kind of a procedure by which that is probed. If, in fact, the Immigration Service comes to any kind of a decision... Why do you need a procedure whereby it's probed? I mean, wh where does the Constitution tell you that? The Constitution says that detention is going to be limited. Well, but, uh, again, uh, you, you, detention or custody, certainly if you're talking about adults, you're correct, but children are going to be in someone's custody. You agree with that. The INS agrees with it. Yes. It just depends on whose custody they're going to be in. But why have we made that exception for minors? We've made that exception for minors because they need protection. Again, we come back to the INS's justification for this policy. Does it protect minors or doesn't it? The I and, and we have said that when you look at the facts in this case and how this, ma how this matter has been applied, that is not the case. It does not result in protection. Now, well, let, let me ask you this. Suppose that a state in its uh, child welfare program determined that as far as any uh, minor that it had to take into custody uh, as being a runaway or a child without any visible means of support, can the state make a blanket determination that it thinks that a group home setting is better for those children than individualized placement with foster homes, for example? Can the state do that and just uh, put all of such children in group homes? Where they would be detained? Yes, indeed. As much as you'd be detained uh, in any setting as a child. This, and this is a situation where, the, where, where somebody is available other than someone that the state has identified as being an appropriate custodian. Well, as much as uh, you have here, I guess, I don't know who all the people are that you say come forward to take these children. <clears throat> if the state has in front of it a responsible adult 
whom it has or whom it whom it has simply said, we know this adult is responsible, or we've determined this adult responsible, but we simply do not want to release. We're going to place a minor into a group home where he or she will be detained. Then no, that that policy would not be constitutional. This is a child who has parents, as far as the state knows. It may be they're, a child who has parents. It may be, and they're 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 looking for the parents, and they're looking for relatives. And you're saying, in the interim, they cannot keep that child in a group home. They must release the child to anyone who comes forward that they believe is is responsible. That's extraordinary. It, it, uh, that's uh, the position that we have set. We have taken is that if the parent does not come forward, then yes, there must be release. That a minor's Freedom should not turn upon the willingness of a parent or a guardian to come forward for him or her. Minor is not going to be free. He's, he's going to be imprisoned in my home or he's going to be imprisoned in a group home. I mean, he is under the custody of someone. Minors cannot come and go at will. It's, uh, it's part of the problem of being a minor. What, you grow out of it eventually, so it's not so bad. But. Let, let's look at the reality of this for just, just one moment. Now, the reality is that in California, for example, INS detainees are kept in, in a facility in El Centro, California, okay. a place, in essence, remote from anywhere, surrounded by desert. Uh, it, it seems to me that as a parent, that if my child were kept in such a place, that I would certainly think that there's a big difference between having my child in that place and having my child placed with my with a child's godparents, with a child's adult cousins, with a volunteer church family, with another responsible adult who comes forward and, and wishes to lend that kind of assistance. That seems to me to be a big difference. We are talking here in constitutional terms, however, only about whether the cage is gilded or whether it's not. The point is, is that when minors are released, they're free to go to, 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 uh, to church services, they're free to attend public schools, they're free to go to the park. None of these things occur. None of these things occur from the middle of the California desert. Free to do all those things if their parents or guardians allow them. If their parents or guardians allow them, yes. And, and, and the point is, is that the Immigration Service, in its role as a parent or guardian in this case, does not allow that. May I ask you a question, Counsel? I, uh, the way this case is debated in the opinions, uh, everybody, all the judge on the Court of Appeals, seem to assume that you're dead right, that the children would be better off if they could be placed with, the, un, un, uh, with an, another adult. The government says that's all wrong. They're really much better off in, a, in organized detention facilities. Are there any district court findings telling us which is better for the children? No, there are not, Your Honor. We can point, if I may elaborate, to the existence of unanimity in juvenile justice standards amongst the 50 states, amongst the various amici that have filed court, uh, a brief before this court saying we care for children all the time. Everybody agrees uh, that, in fact, detention, even under ideal circumstances, is inimical to, child's welf to children's welfare. Yes, but your opponent cites to a lot of statutes that say, yes, but you only give it to people who are either relatives or godparents, or there's a limited class, and, and they do allow custody in that limited class, which is generally recognized in state statutes. I, 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 I cannot I mean, Maybe they're disagree. all wrong, but how do we answer that sitting here? I cannot disagree more strangely. Well, because in the brief that's filed by the Child Welfare League of America, you'll see citations to those statutes, and they don't provide that. Every state, in fact, says we don't lock children up unless we've made an individualized determination that this is, in fact, necessary. Some sort of it, they all say, release a responsible adult, any other custodian, the federal government itself, and Congress has said, or any other responsible adult. 
This is simply a unanimous proposition amongst child welfare, ad, child welfare experts, and the, and the Immigration Services ha, has never really disputed that. It said, we're entitled to go off and, and, and simply rewrite the book on child welfare, an area in which we concede we have no special expertise. Wasn't the Immigration Service uh, uh, subject to some litigation about how it took care of... Uh these children? That was this litigation. Yes, but uh, wasn't, there a dec- wasn't there an order that they were supposed to comply with? There, there, wa- there is a And uh, there isn't any, uh, there isn't any uh, uh, dispute that uh, the order has been complied with. That's correct, Your Honor, at this time. And uh, so the INS is uh, uh, complying with uh, what the court ordered had to be, uh, what the court thought was adequate care. Is that right? What the parties agreed to in a settlement, not what the court uh, well, it's in a, it's 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 in a decree. Yes, yes. It's in a decree, and the government is uh, complying with it. Oh. And you you say that uh, that uh, complying in the in the in the way they do is unconstitutional. Complying with the settlement agreement is certainly not constitutional. The, I mean, it certainly is constitutional. The the point that the point that that, that I need to make at the, at this time. But is that you uh, you say they have to they have to do more than the decree uh, requires. If there is otherwise, a, uh, they're violating the constitution. Yes, yes, that's correct. Mm-hmm. We have said what we are saying here is that what the what this settlement what the settlement uh, uh, achieves that the immigration service has come here is simply to bring INS detention facilities into compliance with minimal standards that have been, that are applied in all 50 states as to what an appropriate detention facility should be i might point out that even though you have a responsible person there so you say it's unconstitutional unless they exceed minimal standards the conditions uh, uh, right I, I i didn't understand the question i'm sorry <laughs> You say you say that they're violating the Constitution unless they exceed minimal standards. We're saying they violate the Constitution if they do not make an individualized determination that detention under those conditions or any other conditions is actually going to be in a child's best interest. Well, but you would say you would say that uh, that that detaining the child, uh, detaining the child in 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 the institution is unconstitutional if there is an adult who will take care of them. Yes. Now, let's go back again to this to the situation that prevails. We have a situation where the INS had released minors for years without any kind of problem. They've done this under the district court's order for now for almost four years without any kind of a problem ever being reported. It wasn't just a failure to produce evidence. There was discovery conducted in this case in which we asked the government, produce any evidence you have. The government was simply unable to do it. They've not gone back in front of the district court to seek relief under Rule 60B saying, look, we have a problem with this policy. In fact, if there were any kind of a, a, a significant risk that minors were, were being endangered by this kind of policy, we would be the first to come back in and say, Judge Kelleher, you need to reverse this policy. You need to modify it. I don't believe that we'd have the U.S. Catholic Conference the Lutheran Church in America, the Child Welfare League of America, all filing amicus briefs in this case saying this is a misguided policy. It simply makes no sense. The only thing the INS is able to say in support of this policy is that we're unable to do the kind of home studies that are required to, to ensure that this sort of a thing doesn't lead to some kind of disaster. What, what do you say to the, the legal response to this same argument, which the government... 
Assuming, assuming what you say may be true, the fact is uh, that under Klein, Dienst, and Mandel, the only thing they've got to satisfy us of is that they have a legitimate reason for having changed the policy and doing what they are doing, whether people think it is enlightened or not. Uh, is that the proper standard? Were Congress making a decision about well, whether... Well, is that the proper standard? Do you no, still read that case? No, no, Your Honor. That what is, is the standard? Not. The proper standard is whether the INS is able to show a good and sufficient reason in an individualized hearing for detention. Simply that. If the INS has any real reason to detain, it's entitled to detain under this district court order. It's only where there is no real reason to detain, and the INS has simply said, you, you, and you, we're going to presume that you're going to be a fine custodian, and everyone else is somehow excluded, no matter how reputable, no matter how much the INS officer, in fact, wants to release this minor to this individual, where it simply cannot be done. It's that blanket automatic detention that offends the Constitution here. It stands the proposition that detention is going to be the exception, liberty the norm on its head. Does their policy absolutely forbid any release to an unrelated? Uh, can they find somebody so exceptionally well qualified they will go ahead and release to him? Again, we're talking about a, a, a facial challenge versus an applied challenge. On its face, the, the regulation appears to authorize that. We know from discovery and, and, and in practice that the Immigration Service never released an individual to anyone not on the blood relative list except when the minor needed health care uh, that the agency was simply not able or willing to provide at that time. That's the only time the INS could ever identify that, yes, we're going to go ahead and, and release a minor to some adult not appearing on our blood relative list. You, you, you just said that, the, you, you, according to you, the Constitution says that uh, liberty is the norm and detention is the exception. Then, that, then you do contest the constitutionality of this statute, I take it, because it, it says just the opposite. It says detention is the norm, but the Attorney General may, in his discretion, release. If this That's were a statute, good, then. we do not contest the, the constitutionality of this statute. In fact, we contend that this statute supports the district court's order that was issued in this case because it requires an individualized determination as this court's held only last term. Now, if, the, if in fact what we're talking about here is the Constitution and not the statute, and the statute were to be interpreted as to permit non-individualized detention just uh, for everybody, then there would be a problem with the Constitution of that statute. Yes. You think the individualized determination has to be made on the basis of the individual, what's best for the individual? I assume that would apply for adults, too. The Attorney General has to ask, with respect to each, each illegal alien, what would be best for this illegal alien. No, Your Honor. There, there are myriad reasons why the agency is entitled to detain adults and detain these children. If they believe it's a, he or she is a flight risk, if they believe that the, the minor is, is an, a danger to the community, to himself or some others, they think that national security is involved. All of these things are permitted. Detention is permitted for all of these The things. individual who wants to take custody of them is not qualified. The agency is entitled to refuse release for that ground as well. If I, in the remaining time, let me just sum up our position on this. I believe that what we have, we have seen here is a policy for which the INS has no factual justification. The Immigration Service can have a perfectly qualified individual come before it and say, I am prepared and able to care for, a for this particular minor. The Immigration Service says, we will not even consider you. We will not even consider you. Who are you uh, representing? We are representing... Uh, the plaintiffs in this matter, who include... Who are who? Who is Jenny Flores, a 15-year-old girl who had a cousin come for her, a, an uncle once or twice removed. 
We have a, a girl for whom a fam long-time family, family friend. But these are all minors? These are all minors, yes, mm -hmm. four, four girls. The point at this, at, at, that we find ourselves now at is that we have a situation where the Immigration Service is simply closing its eyes to what's in the best interest of these minors. Thank you, Mr. Holguin. May Thank I you. just ask one question? Are any of the named plaintiffs still in custody of the INS? No, Your Honor. Uh, Judge Kelleher ordered the release of the last one shortly after the litigation was filed. Have they uh, gone beyond age 18? Uh, several of them have, yes, Your Honor. The four in question? Uh, one, I believe, is still under the age of, of uh, 18. Ms. Mahoney, you have six minutes remaining. <laughs> I'd like to emphasize that this is a facial challenge uh, to a policy that was adopted in 1988. And the fact that there might theoretically be some child who has the kind of bonds and relationship with a godparent, for instance, that might have some claim to a violation of their liberty because they weren't released is a, a very different question. It's not presented on a facial attack. But I would also like to emphasize that the Ninth Circuit rule does not, in fact, permit INS to determine who is a responsible custodian for these children. Uh, at uh, 21A of the appendix, the, the Ninth Circuit specifically said, we hold that the INS may not determine that detention serves the best interests of members of the plaintiff class in the absence of affirmative evidence that release would place the particular child in danger of harm. Narrow ground, do you? Your Honor, we'll win on the broadest grounds you'll give us, but the, um, the, the point here is that even under their regime, we cannot determine who, in fact, is an appropriate custodian. Under the regulations, if a godfather comes forward uh, and says, I'm ready and willing to take this child, we've had a long-term relationship, the regulation permits the district director in his discretion to determine that there are exceptional circumstances that indicate that this person is a fit custodian. Under our regulation, the unrelated adult outside the Western region has to sign an agreement saying that they will care for the child, not just that they'll make them show up at the deportation hearing, but that they will care for the child. And that's what we do outside the Western region. And, in fact, that discretion is exercised sometimes. That discretion is also reviewable before an immigration judge. The child, if the, if the godfather comes forward and thinks that the district director has unfairly denied him custody of the child, they'll simply request a hearing. There's no waiver under the regulation at any time the child who is detained or any adult who is detained can ask for a hearing before the immigration judge. What, 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 what could he possibly prove that would justify a, a, a direction to the attorney general to release him? Well, it, that it would be in the child's best interest? Is that what he would have to prove? That there are exceptional circumstances. In, in Rendering fact, it in the child's best interest? I think that's correct, Your Honor. That, oh. there, uh, that there were reasons. You're, that, you're not as far apart as I thought you were then. I, well, I, uh, the, let me say that in, in the idea is to leave discretion for those rather exceptional and unusual circumstances. For instance, if, if the godfather has, in fact, lived and cared for this child and they have the kind of family relationship that INS is, in fact, trying to promote and makes representations that they're in the process of getting guardianship before the state, that would be the type of, of circumstance that might warrant a release. But the fact is that the INS said that the Ninth Circuit has said all of that goes out the window. The other thing is that in this case, the godparent that we're referring to, even if the district director won't release the child, can go to the state court and get appointed a guardian. 
And in the interim, the child will remain in a group home run by the Catholic Church or another well, private I mean, organization. What, does the record tell us how long these uh, children are retained in custody in the typical case? Uh, yes, Your Honor. The, uh, it says that it's typically 30 days. Um, that that's about how long it ordinarily takes. And the record also shows that it typically takes about 30 days to be appointed a guardian under state law. But at the end of the 30 days, they'd be deported. Oh, no, Your Honor. Deportation uh, is uh, ordinarily uh, a long time out, and most of these children, in fact, are never deported. Um, But they're only kept in the custody for 30 days? I don't understand. Most children are only kept in custody, and again, it's in the... What happens at the end of the 30-day period for the typical child? They're they're ordinarily reunified with family members, or they're uh, a a responsible custodian who uh, gets qualified under state law is found. That's the whole objective of the program, and that's where they typically end up. Ms. Mahoney... Uh, you, you've said in one breath that this is a facial challenge uh, to the regulation and the procedures, and yet you've referred to something that the record shows, and uh, Mr. Holguin has referred to something. He says that the record shows this exception is never really applied. How, how can we assure ourselves uh, that you're correct, if you are, that this is a facial challenge? Well, it, it is a facial challenge because the, uh, the program didn't uh, fully go into place until 1988, uh, shortly before the district court ruled, and, they, and the district court made no factual findings. So I, I think we have to construe it as a facial challenge. Well, then challenge. why do you refer to something called the record? Well, there was a record in this case. You're right, Your Honor. This record related to practices under the policy prior to um, the, the, the time when it was, when it was adopted. There, there is a, a record in the sense that there are um, federal register, um, that sort of thing, in the, in the record to rely on for the statement of purposes. Ms. Mahoney, just uh, out of curiosity, is it, is it really true that, that if, the, if the deportability of the minor is conceded, the minor is just put on a boat to somewhere? Is, is that no, what really happens? No, Your Honor, that is, that is not true. I didn't think so. No. Um, first of all, even if deportability is conceded, it's important here to... Um, these children typically do not claim that they're in the United States legally, but the vast majority of them want an opportunity to seek relief from deportation, which is a very different issue. They have no right to be here, but at the hearing, they will be uh, given an opportunity to establish that they're entitled to relief. And if a, um, a child is found to be deportable, then arrangements are made through the consulate of that child's foreign country or the return of the child, the government of the other country takes custody of the child and reunifies them with their family or whatever, that, however the government makes arrangements. But that is the way this happens. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Ms. Mahoney. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.